You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and know-hows to supplement your doctoral studies. Welcome to the Vitamin PhD podcast. This is our season on self-awareness and what it means to practice that core capacity in our graduate and professional lives. I'm Grace McGoyan, a doctoral candidate in American and New England studies. And I'm Thatchira Pachardo, a doctoral candidate in molecular and translational medicine. Today, we're excited to be chatting about how we can use self-awareness to take control of our finances and set ourselves up for a fiscally sustainable and successful future. Our guest today is Dr. Emily Roberts, owner of Personal Finance for PhDs. Emily, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell them a bit about yourself and anything that you would like them to know. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. I'm, I'm really glad to be with you today to discuss this uh, fascinating topic. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Emily Roberts. I have a PhD in biomedical engineering, which I received from Duke University in 2014. And basically during my time living on a graduate student stipend, weirdly enough, I fell in love with the subject of personal finance. And I kind of when I finished my PhD, I sort of picked my head up and noticed like, oh, wow, like no one is really um, teaching or interpreting personal finance education for the graduate student and postdoc and PhD, uh, my peer group, you know? And so I decided to become the person doing that. So that's what I've been doing the last seven years through personal finance for PhDs. Um, I give a lot of seminars and workshops for universities. I've worked with BU in the past. I'm, I believe I'm invited back for um, spring 2022 as well. Um, work with lots of other universities in different capacities. Um, and I also have like a membership community called personal finance for PhDs community, where we have lots of conversations about money among like-minded peers. Um, and very importantly, I have a podcast also called personal finance for PhDs. So I would really love it if your listeners wanted to subscribe to that, um, and, or my mailing list. So my website is pfforphds.com. You can subscribe through one of the links on the homepage there. Um, so anyone who has been listening to our other episodes, as you know, we are working on the core capacity of self-awareness. We're talking about self-awareness in lots of different avenues of graduate student life. And so today, obviously, we have invited you on to talk about finances, particularly. And before we sort of dive into the finance specificity, um, we usually ask our guests, like, what does self-awareness sort of mean to you and how do you see it being important in your professional or personal life? Um, just to give us a sense of um, what you sort of, where you see the importance of it being. Yes. Wow. Okay. So with respect to finances, I do think it's vital to be aware um, of what's going on in your finances. And when you first told me about this topic, I thought that I would be coming in here talking about um, know your net worth, know your cash flow, know your credit score, and know your numbers, basically. And that is very, very important. But when I was reflecting more and preparing for this, I realized that the main message that I want to get to your listeners is that the first thing to become self-aware of with respect, with respect to your finances is what's known as your money mindset or your beliefs around money that you hold. And they're so implicit that if you never get to the point of becoming self-aware of your own mindset, it's very like meta. Um, if you never get to that point, you can be driven by all of these forces that you're not even like cognizant of. And it affects your behavior and it affects your emotions. Of course, it affects your numbers ultimately. 
Um, but that's something that I've really like learned actually from guests on my podcast. I've had a lot of interviews about like money mindset, uh, money mindset in academia. And that was not really something that I was aware of when I was going through graduate school myself. So like my own journey with finances is a journey towards self-awareness of this like meta thing of like your money mindset. Um, so I'd love to talk more about that as well as the numbers. Of course, the numbers are important too. Of course. Yeah. That's so interesting. It feels like, um, it does feel like we've been talking a lot about self self-reflective activities, like before you can even get started with the kind of practical advice that comes from the podcast, there is a, a significant amount of inward looking that has to go on, first of all. You mentioned in your intro that it was sort of your personal experiences during your graduate work that got you interested in personal finance. And so what did you sort of see that was lacking amongst either yourself or your peer group? And sort of, if you can tell us a little bit about your mindset at the out, at the outstart of your journey and sort of what made you not only want to incorporate this in your own life, but sort of bring this to, to wider sort of graduate student audiences. So when I got out of college, I did a one-year post-bac fellowship um, at the NIH, and then I started my PhD at Duke. So I spent six years at Duke. Um, but when I got out of college, you know, I, I never had like a full-time job, you know, year-round full-time job before. And I realized that I had like no idea how to handle this like salary that I was getting. And it was a stipend. So it was not a big salary. And I was living obviously in the, the DC area because I was at the NIH. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow, I'm making at that time, this was, let's see, it was 2007. So I was making $24,000 um, and I was living, you know, right outside DC. And I was like, wow, how, like, how am I going to make this work? Um, and so that was kind of the start of my exploration into personal finance. Um, and so one tip for your listeners, I can tell you already where I started my journey was like reading some books which I think are really great, like sources of, you know, sort of a comprehensive view of a subject. And the book that I read personally, that I think had the most influence on me was called Get a Financial Life, um, Personal Finance in Your 20s and 30s by Beth Koblener. Um, to update that, I might now say like, um, maybe Brooke Millennial by Aaron Lowry would be a good one, or um, Get Good With Money by Tiffany, the budgetista Alice. Um, but anyway, just something where it gives you sort of a, a bird's eye view of the whole subject matter. And you can kind of figure out like, oh, I need to shore up some things over here. Or like, oh no, I'm good over here. So I was really learning, like, I did not know how to budget. Like my parents, I mean, we'll talk more about the money mindset stuff. Like I, I had some money mindset stuff that I learned from my parents in our, in my upbringing as we all do, but they had never like taught me like explicitly, like how to do stuff with money, like budgeting, um, for example. And so reading just like one of those comprehensive books gave me kind of a picture of like, oh, wow, like I'm supposed to be saving for retirement. Oh, wow. I should be aware of my credit score. Oh, I need to open a savings account. I didn't have a savings account, right? It only ever had a checking account. I didn't have a credit card. I had to open a credit card. So these kinds of things um, came into view for me at that time. And I think actually that early exposure helped me form my mindset actually going into graduate school because having this view of like, quote unquote, like what adults are supposed to do with money as opposed to like what students are supposed to do with money. I was thinking of myself as like, yes, I'm in graduate school, but I'm also like, I have a salary. Um, it's not a great salary, but it's a salary. Um, and so what should I be doing with that? And I was thinking of myself, I think, as an, an adult instead of as a, an immature person or like someone who's still in training or whatever. And so I realized I, I realized in retrospect that, that that had a big influence on my mindset and how I handled my finances during graduate school, because I did do things like save and I did do things like invest for retirement and I did pay off debt. Um, and 
if I had not gone in with that attitude of like, oh, I'm supposed to be (laughs) handling all these things like an adult, then I wouldn't have done them. And I think that's a really common mindset among graduate students is I'm a student, I'm not being paid that well. This is like a special exception time of life. I don't have to do this with my finances. I don't have to work on my relationships. I don't have to work on my physical and mental health. It's like this student um, sort of label is like a like a get out of jail free, like excuse to like sort of ignore all these really important areas of your life and just like focus, focus, focus on what you're in graduate school to do. And absolutely it's important to focus on what you're in graduate school to do, but you can't do it while neglecting all these other areas of life finances among them. I mean, I think that's a really insightful sort of way to think about it is that there is, and like when Tatira and I were preparing for this episode, you know, we had discussions about the idea of this sort of arrested development or like you freeze frame your life for a couple of years while you're doing your PhD. The the, the sort of um, students uh, side of things is a stop along the way to like eventual adulthood. Um, And so my follow up question is then, you know, we talked, you talked a little bit about money mindsets and the idea that they can be shifted. Um, is that something then that was, you know, is in your experience, professional and personal, is that something that is an emotional, um, experience or a sort of, um, a positive experience overall? Like what are sort of the difficulties of having to shift this? If our listeners are thinking to themselves, everything she just described is me, which it, uh, that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> um, what? what are sort of the first steps to shifting your money mindset? And also, you know, what are some things to sort of bear in mind that you might feel along the way? So I, I want to get to the shifting part, but first, and sort of maybe weaving in with my own personal story as well. Like I just told you about my money mindset going into academia and we, we all have that, right. That we grew up with or, you know, early experiences influenced our money mindsets, but academia itself will give you another layer of your money mindset. And I have observed that on balance, it's a lot of unhelpful stuff that it adds to your money mindset. Um, So just for one example, as a graduate student, um, and again, this is not coming from any like one source, like maybe it does, maybe it comes from one professor or your advisor, but it's sort of what everybody is saying about academia, your life in academia. So for example, you might develop a bunch of limiting beliefs based on your time in graduate school. Like, so some limiting beliefs that I've noticed both in myself and in people that I've talked with and worked with are, for example, my advisor or my department frowns on earning outside money. PhDs are passionate about their work, so their pay is immaterial. No one gets ahead financially while in graduate school or postdoc. I earn so little money, it doesn't even matter what I do with it. Everyone takes out loans during graduate school. So these are examples of some limiting beliefs that academia might impart on you. Um, And I noticed kind of like my money mindset was like pretty decent, I think, going into graduate school, but it was really damaged, like coming out of it. And I was in like a STEM and, you know, engineering field. And I've noticed that, you know, in other like humanities type fields, like there's even more stuff about like money is evil, like capitalism is immoral. Um, These kinds of beliefs also get, uh, are a little bit more encultured into those uh, kinds of fields. And so I think coming like in graduate school or coming out of graduate school, 
it's so important again, to be aware of, of where these additions to your money mindset are coming from. And to, as we were just saying, if you want to move towards changing them, start to interrogate them, like start to try to figure out like, is that true? (laughs) Where did I hear that? Why do I believe that? Where did that come from? Is it true? Does it have to be true for me? I wonder if you might both share actually some mindset stuff or some, some limiting beliefs or scarcity mindset that you've like absorbed from being in academia. Um, and so I very distinctly remember my parents being very, very skeptical about the fact that I would get paid to do what I do. Um, and not that that's a universal experience, but in most STEM programs at these larger universities, um, for our listeners who maybe are not so aware, uh, we typically, typically get tuition remission. So I don't pay for tuition. Um, and we also do get a stipend as well as health insurance. Um, and so I think among my parents, definitely being immigrants and working their way up from a lower socioeconomic background to sort of some level of success today, there being that mindset of, you know, there's no such thing as a free ride and really not believing that I was going to get paid until I got my first paycheck um, and all the anxiety and sort of panic even that I internalized from that until I got my first paycheck. Um, and then having that paycheck, having not been prepared to get one sort of now what do I do with this? Um, and a lot of PhDs find themselves in their sort of sticky situation where depending on certain grant, you know, payments, setups and things like that, where they might not get taxes removed. So that definitely was and continues to be an anxiety for me about what do I do with taxes? How much do I have to save up? And even sort of trying to dig into that to sort of know where to go to get information because a lot of universities aren't allowed to give you that sort of information sort of legally. Um, So similar to our guest, I also didn't really have work experience prior to pursuing a PhD. Um, I had like a six hour a week work study job in college. And that was my only sort of income before that. So going from that to like a full-fledged now salary, I guess, while also still struggling with that mentality of I'm a student, but I'm also an employee and sort of all the things attendant to that as we've just spoken about. So those are some of the beliefs that I guess I'm still trying to work through today. Right. And I think that I, you know, I feel very, in some ways, like very similarly, um, I think to be completely vulnerable that, um, growing up the way that I grew up, which was with no very, very little money. Um, I just am panicked at, at, at the prospect of anything to do with money. So I'm very good at the, um, at the not spending part. That's it. I don't have any other money skills. I'm good at not spending, you know, in pure brass tax fashion, thinking to myself, if I don't really, really need this, I won't buy it. But, you know, I, I also, I, I live in America now. This is my fourth year living in the United States. I don't have a credit card still because it, there's, you know, and I'm sure you come across this with some of the people you work with, but there's like trauma attached to discussions of money. Um, The idea of credit is something that makes me very uncomfortable, even though, you know, it doesn't have to be the experiences that like the people in my like community back home have had with credit. And also just understanding that the American financial system runs in a very different way um, because where I come from, it is maybe not as uh, central to um, the sort of financial system. It's not as central to have a credit card. Although I do think that increasingly um, it, it's becoming more usual even back home. Um, but like when I was growing up, like 
none of the like adult adults as if I'm not an adult, but none, when I was like a teenager, none of the adults in my life would have had a credit card. Whereas I feel like in America, that would be very unusual for people not to have a credit card and a credit score. Um, and then when I like came to grad school, um, mostly I just, I was just tunnel vision. I was like, how do I make ends meet? I'm international. I'm on a visa. It's very, very strict what I can and can't do and what I can accept money for pretty much only the stipend is all I can get or like if BU happens to offer me like other money um and so it was it was mostly like get the head down and just like see what can be cut rather than like what can be invested or grown or paid off or things like that so that's you know to be completely open and honest that's sort of where I'm coming from yeah I think Grace what you've identified there like very clearly is a scarcity mindset which is it's interesting because you can have literal scarcity in your life, in your finances, which you experienced growing up. And also separately, you can have a scarcity mindset and they can come together or they, you can have one or the other, or you can have neither. Um, and I think graduate school is an experience to different degrees for different people, but it is an experience of scarcity. But whether you have a scarcity mindset going into that or whether you develop one during the process, will, I think, make a big difference to your experience in graduate school and also later on. Um, one of the long-term effects of graduate school on your finances is, yeah, you were paid a low amount of money for a certain number of years, um, but also that puts you X many years behind, quote unquote behind, um, you know, paying off debt or investing or whatever you're doing. Plus you have certain mindset things, like things about undervaluing yourself in the marketplace where like you might not go for well-paying jobs or think you're qualified enough, or you might not negotiate for your salary, or you might stay in academia way longer than you should because you are afraid of stepping outside of that space. And so the mindset stuff, I feel like actually can linger much longer and have this huge detrimental effect on the numbers of your finances, more so than the direct effect of the numbers like going on during graduate school, if that makes sense. Um, but also to share, like you identified also there, like this sort of student mindset, like we were talking about, like, oh, I'm a student. So like, oh, I'm lucky to even be getting paid for goodness sakes. Like, no, of course I can't go beyond that to like be building wealth during this time or like have a savings account or whatever. Like that, again, that student mindset kind of keeps you uh, trapped a little bit within your finances. Whereas you know, maybe you would be able to, or maybe you wouldn't based on the actual numbers, but you would never know what you were capable of in your finances if your mindset were limiting you, you know, to the student label, for example. Right. And it's, it's also interesting to me when I have these conversations with my colleagues, how it just can manifest in such different ways, because I have other friends and colleagues and things who, um, in as much as I, it's just a different manifestation of a scarcity mindset when people are reckless. Well, what I would call reckless with their money. I am very careful on the very careful end of the spectrum. Some people are very much on the opposite, but it's both coming from a, a, a space of being like, is there going to be enough money? And should I like spend it all now or should I save it all now? Instead of maybe being a bit more like we have been talking about sort of self-aware and self-reflective and thinking like actually what is like a healthy and sensible way um, to deal with this. If, if you don't mind, I'd like to share a resource at this point, like in the spirit of like self-awareness, um, there's this tool called Money Scripts. Um, I, it was developed by Brad Klontz and some other um, uh, 
some of his other colleagues. But if you just Google money scripts, it's going to be the first thing that comes up. And so it's like, you take like a little quiz and then it'll, it's like out of a magazine kind of, you take a little quiz and then you, it assigns you like a, a category. And so there's four of them. I don't actually remember all that they are. There's like money vigilance and money avoidance, um, money worship and money status. There you go. I did remember all of them, but it'll assign you to like one of these four sort of categories. And then that'll help you realize what's going on in your own mindset and then where, where you need to shift. Like if you want to get away from that a little bit, like which direction should you be going in? Um, yeah. So I, I really recommend that, um, tool. And actually from my podcast, if you go to in season five, episode three of the personal finance for PhDs podcast, I did an episode with Courtney Beatty and we talked a lot about these money scripts and then also money mindset in academia, cause she's a graduate student as well. And so I, I recommend that episode if you're interested in sort of like investigating this further. What a great start to our conversation about using self-awareness to identify and overcome limiting beliefs in our financial mindsets. Join us on the next episode when Dr. Emily Roberts shares additional tips for creating financial goals and staying on track with them.